Welcome to the My Curious Colleague Podcast with your host, me, Denise Veneri. We'll be talking all things consumer relations with a focus on consumer product goods organizations and the brand specialist and analyst roles and responsibilities. So if you like CPGs like I like CPGs, marketing, insights, and caring deeply for your consumers, well, take a listen. Hello, my curious colleagues. Today, my guest is my colleague, Rana Karras. She is a professional trainer and happy to have her here. Hi, Rana, and welcome to the little podcast. Hi, Denise. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm 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 so glad that we're together and we got the technology to work. I always appreciate that. But let's do this first. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure, I'm happy to. My name is Rana Karras, and I have been a training professional for more than 30 years, which is pretty mind-blowing. Wow. But what that means is that I am a developer of training. <clears throat> Excuse me. We call it an instructional designer, someone who takes all kinds of information and finds a way to organize it in a way that's memorable and useful to people who need to actually use it. And then we turn it into all kinds of training, whether it's self-paced training online or whether it's facilitated with a trainer who would stand up in front of a group. And it's really the most fun job in the world. Love it. Love it. And do you want to share where where you're doing this at these days? Yes. Yes. After 30 years of being a training consultant, working with some of the biggest brands in the world, which, you know, these are folks that I have the highest regard for. I never expected to find myself transitioning during COVID to working as a training manager for a nonprofit. But somehow I've landed in a pot of jam. I'm working for a firm called the Center for Guardianship Excellence. And we create really positive, really useful training for people who are legal guardians to adults in the United States, either family members who find themselves in the role of guardian or lawyers who find themselves in the role or actually professional guardians who have sought out the role of guardians and care very deeply about two things. Number one, being certified as a professional guardian. And number two, doing right by their clients and loved ones. And all the training we provide is free. So after all these years of putting together contracts and helping people do what was within their budget, now if somebody's looking for help, we can just say, what do you need? and we get to create it for them. It's just, it's a thrill. I'm so happy for you because it's so interesting through the podcast. I've been able to talk to you know, colleagues, new colleagues, other colleagues that I've known peripherally like yourself, and to hear some of the new side gigs or some of the new sort of avenues and, and paths that their career has taken either as a result of COVID or just, just mm-hmm. because it's, it's so cool and exciting. So I'm thrilled for you. Um, So of course, your point of view, I'm sure, is going to be covering your experiences with the big co's and then also with this this current employee. So employer, I should say. So I'm curious to hear. 
And as you had mentioned, and kudos to you, you've been a training professional now for you know more than 30 years. Has anything surprised you recently? I'm often surprised, honestly. Even, even after 30 years? Okay. Yes, yes. And of course, that's the fun part. You know, when you work in education or learning and development, you had better be the sort of person that's constantly open to learning and developing. But the biggest thing that I've noticed in these last couple of years of working for the center and working in the world of nonprofits and social workers is the big gap between the training that is received or experienced by people who work for big corporations and people who've never worked for a big company. Big corporations go out of their way to educate and inform and inspire and coach their employees. And small companies expect to hire someone who already knows how to do everything and then seem surprised when things aren't going quite right. And so bringing training to the small businesses or or small practices or small social work groups is has just been totally fascinating. And it's just completely different. I could wow. go on and on. I mean, do you want me to yeah, continue? I know. We've got 42 more questions here. So mm-hmm. that's an interesting aha right off the top. Yeah, I just assumed. Yeah, I made a lot of assumptions there. Interesting, interesting. Welcome to the world of audio, where every tone and voice can make or break a customer experience. At Holdcom, we understand this better than anyone. Our audio marketing solutions can create a professional and welcoming experience for your callers every time they dial in. Whether it's a friendly voice guiding them through the next steps or the perfect music to play during hold times, every sound element can create a positive and lasting impression. As a consumer affairs professional, you know that providing excellent service is essential, but have you ever considered the impact of sound? Let us help you create a sound experience that your customers will appreciate. Contact Holdcom today to learn more about our customized audio solutions tailored to your brand's unique personality and voice. We were using the... the the term professional trainer, and I introduced you as a professional trainer, you know, what does that mean? And, and, you know, why, why does that matter? I would just assume that, you know, pros should be able to learn no matter, you know, what the delivery style is of the, of the trainer. Well, some people can, I mean, you're right. There are some folks who can watch a five minute tutorial and Mm -hmm. get just what they need to launch themselves. And the rest of it, they'll figure out or they'll observe colleagues or they'll work in partnership or they're just adding on to what they already know. And and that seems to be a very kind of current or modern style of what we would consider professional training. So let me tell you what I'm talking about. No matter the length or the no matter how it's delivered, when we say professional, what we're talking about is something that's well organized. Right. In, in other words, in a logical order that has meaningful messaging that's delivered in a way that it can be internalized by people no matter what your IQ is, 
no matter how happy you are at being trained or in training. Right. But that also that so it so it addresses all the learning styles. It has visual cues, it has audio cues, it has examples, it has practice activities. And then when the training is over, whether that's you know, a 30 minute program or a five minute program or a three day program, because those actually still exist. There's some sort of follow up. There's someone to coach you. There's someone to observe how well you've internalized the information and are using it, looking for behavioral change. And that's the best thing. But there's also job aids. You see infographics all over the place. And in good businesses, you see those infographics posted. They become messaging. And that's really the difference. When I consider training that's non-professional, what you tend to see is this old-fashioned death by PowerPoint. Some experienced, knowledgeable person has taken a tremendous amount of time to write every thought they have onto a bunch of PowerPoint slides. And I have seen people show up to a one-hour presentation with 105 slides. And it's every talking point. And it's still being done, even in this day of day and age when everybody's looking at just the headlines and wanting to do things quickly. It is amazing to me the gap that still exists between training that is useful and training that's just time consuming. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Well, two thoughts. I want to jump in. I want to respond to that in a contact center context, context. But two, I just want to just announce to the world that I I think I'm a visual learner, I think. But, you know, I'm really loving podcasts and feel like I'm absorbing. I was, you know, have Audible and I'm listening to some books and then also other podcasts, um, entertainment, of course, but other, you know, types of things where I'm listening and I'm learning and I'm like, oh, maybe it's not all visual, you know. But it first came across my brain about the different styles when my son was in grade school and I would try to do like the the times tables and we would have the flashcards and no matter what it was, a rubber band, a crumb of a cookie, something, he was holding it, touching it, throwing it, um, you know, rolling it. As he was answering, and I was going nuts because I'm really just like this this person, like I said, who was visual, and I would just sit quietly at my desk, two feet on the ground, you know, when I was studying back in the day. And I started looking that up. And I was like, wait, I forget how, what I even plugged into Google, but I learned kinetic style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not really sure if I'm saying it right, but somebody who has to be moving. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine you've got a couple of those in, in the audience from time to time, um, but hopefully in a in a professional setting, they're not like throwing the cookies in the air or whatever it was my son was doing. But let's let's put our comment. Did you want to comment on that? Yeah, yeah, I want to say that I think the the best environments are when people can just be. If you need to stand mm. up and walk around in order to be able to participate or think your thoughts, why not? Call centers are wonderful examples. Probably the best training that exists in any business, in any industry, are contact centers. They get more training. They have a lot of rules. They have a lot of technology. They do a ton of stuff in a tiny amount of time. And you better get it right or you don't keep your job. 
it's an extremely high pressure environment and the training is substantial. And in great training environments in contact centers, you see people standing up with their headsets on and being allowed to move around. And you see people playing with stuff or snacking or doing whatever they have to do in order to keep their, their brains alert. And I don't think it matters if you know what to call it. What matters is that you don't thwart people by insisting on a rigid system of training. And, right. and your example was really good because, first of all, you weren't acting as his trainer. You were acting as his coach, in my mind, because the tools were already there. Those flashcards were the mechanism to perform an activity. So he didn't need to be in school. He just needed to be practicing or playing. What a lot of businesses are doing is adding on a scoring system or a game system. If you can get 12 answers right in two minutes or less, bells go off and you get a break or a candy bar or you get to play in the park or, I mean, I'm thinking for kids, right. but in contact centers, the gamification is an element that is really important to some people and to the point where if there isn't any kind of upside if they can't see their score or their or what they've achieved in a period of time they actually get less out of the training right so it's great to see environments that are embracing the play part of learning it's really powerful let's stay in the contact center space because as you know that's my sweet spot and that's where a lot of our audience is from you know Obviously, in recent years, we've had a, we've had a move over a little bit more, a lot more, to virtual engagements, meetings, including training, and a lot of these contact center reps. You know, if they weren't working from home, we've had to move them to a work from home model. So two things: one, hey, if they wanted to play with a rubber band quietly, they could, which is good or something. But so you know. We kind of had to force our way there, but if if that's working, but if we think that like the in-person training is even better, you know, should we even be back, you know, should we be considering and sort of now forcing the in-person training again, knowing that we think that, you know, has a better effectiveness? Yeah, it's a tricky question because training is more than just absorbing information. Okay. Training inspires you. It builds bonds with your colleagues. It makes you feel invested in. So so there's a pl plus side to both. So uh, let's look at both. If you're talking purely virtual, you gain the freedom to hold the training at a, at a convenient time. You never have to worry about whether stopping people from attending or or the instructor calls out sick it's pretty easy to find an instructor somewhere else or you may have something like pre-programmed e-learning with built-in activities so it's actually learner-led as opposed to okay. instructor-led and all of those tools are really important the old-fashioned model was you go into the classroom and then you follow it up with some learner-led. So you have instructor-led, then you have some learner-led, and then you have some exams, and then you have some coaching. And now we're seeing it all be really mixed up. The 
what you lose, uh, what, what you gain from being in the classroom is you get the laugh, you get to play with people, you get fed, and everyone who's been involved in training knows food and snacks are a huge part of the benefit, especially in an environment where call center folks typically bring their lunch. You get folks who are often watching their budget, bring their lunch to work or eat from a snack machine. And if you have training and you bring in good food, especially a couple of times a day, that's a huge win. They feel honored as they should because they feel as though their company's investing in them. In addition, the activities allow you to practice the real world. So you can do practice calls. You can do reaching out to a colleague for a resource or for help. So some of those things go very nicely to virtual as well. You can practice calls. All of the virtual tools, whether it's Zoom or Adobe Connect, WebEx, will allow you to break out into breakout rooms. And it mirrors the experience of small group work. So I see the value of both. And I think that the best companies are doing the best they can to do what they can do that will be allowed by time. You know, do you want somebody driving an hour and a half from Vermont? I'm in Massachusetts. So, you know, from Vermont to Massachusetts to come to the office a couple of times a year. And during that day, they have a training experience. That's terrific. But it's nice when they're when other experiences are virtual for them so that they can not have to put in the time to, as you said, get dressed, put on makeup, whatever, drive, drive right. home. So I think the best companies are doing a blend. And that doesn't matter whether it's a big corporation or small. And in addition, what's most important is that the training is designed so that people have the experience they need to have. They get inspired. They feel invested in. They learn from each other. They get to listen to each other. So you always want microphones on or if it's that sort of environment, cameras on. Even when I do a, a webinar or a, or a presentation for a group, I always say, hey, you flip on your camera anytime you want. Interrupt me anytime you want. I want to know your thoughts. And although that can feel like pandemonium to some people, I actually think it's a hoot. And so far, we've never had so many people dying to talk because most people really aren't dying to talk, you know? Huh. So I don't know if that really answered your question, but I do think a blend. But let me add one more thing. Most important is that the training also includes visual handouts, job aids, checklists, yeah. things to take away, perhaps an exam or a quiz or something to check behavior a week later knowledge check and behavioral check a week later, a month later, two months later. Over the years, I have seen cultures change dramatically because of a new training program that set new standards, plus the coaching and the feedback, plus the environment, plus the messaging and the re-messaging and the rewarding and the games. All of it is how you get an outcome. So that was a big, long answer to your question. It, it takes a village of activities and inputs. Yes. And outputs yeah. is what I'm hearing for, in my, in our example for, you know, um, we call them 
I've called them brand ambassadors, agents, to be able to absorb training. And um, it's kind of what I'm hearing. Hybrid. Yeah, I, I, it's just it takes a village of, of different aspects and activities and takeaways and printables. My only sort of like mm, is what we haven't talked about is, you know, you might need the printables and the active, the checklist af- right after the training and in prep for, you know, a test or a quiz or coaching in 30 days. But with knowledge base, right, which is like an electronic database for those in the audience not familiar with that phrase, you're hoping that some of those you know, learning about new products, you're hoping that some of those little infographics or those bite-sized pieces of knowledge you must have are in knowledge base because you don't have now four walls of a of a cubicle to post, you know, you know, things to remind yourself remind yourself or the latest product. So so again, it's a it's a hybrid of right. when you use the, you know, hold in your hands and when you're needing to get comfortable with electronic knowledge bases. Yeah. Yes. And that's the best model because some of the information people use only occasionally. So there's no point in spending time in the classroom practicing an example that they're going to experience once a year. It's more important for them to know where to find the answers. Yes. But partner that with really listening. Mm. So you are sure that you're actually answering the right question or solving the right problem, that's a skill that needs to be worked on. Do they really hear it? Then can you find the right answer? And think about what a fun activity that would be. Just a virtual activity where you listen to an audio, the beginning of a conversation, and then you go find the right answer in the database. And did you get it? Yeah. And so there's lots of ways to make training very fun and practical and reusable which is super important. Then you've got it. Yeah. Of course I'm agreeing with you. You're the expert, but what you're saying rings true to me as a, you know, as a practitioner, even though I'm not like running the contact center or have run a contact center, let's say in my prior work, my prior life, but I knew what was going, you know, what kind of was going on. So again, staying with the contact center, you know, we were talking about the hybrid, the tools, the training, some, some you hold in your hand, some are electronic. And, you know, what happens if you have a supervisor or, yeah, a supervisor who necessarily can't, like, can't get to that optimized coaching style, but yet you've got this, all this gap to close of new information and you have a new hire right. group. Um, right? Because for whatever reason, um, how do you ensure that the training is effective? Um, yeah, given a really- scenario, and it's a rare scenario, yeah. but, but just in general, even if the supervisor is not like the ultimate optimized, but just in general, I think, how do you ensure that the training is effective Yeah, in the context center? What we're talking about is developing people. And so we all are constantly growing and finding new solutions to the experiences that come at us, whether it's a call center or any other business. But I was recently talking with some folks who have virtual people, virtual employees 
working a few hours away who are also on the road at clients. So in the old days, a supervisor would actually do a road ride, you know, a day. I mean, I came from a sales background way back when in field sales and our, my sales managers would do a ride spend along. a day with me and observe and give feedback right then and there. But yeah, that really doesn't happen these days in non-sales roles where it, but if you're in a supporting role and your supervisor doesn't spend time with you and they don't have recorded phone calls to listen to, what does a supervisor do in order to determine whether or not you are handling yourself in the best possible way in front of your customer? And so there's, that's where little, you know, infographics or cheat sheets or, or SOPs that are made clear can help. And then that conversation at the end of the day or at the end of the month, kind of debriefing, taking the time to say, based on what we learned in training, based on what our standards are, would you approached the customer this way for this situation. Tell me what happened and really be able to talk it through. But one of the things that in this conversation recently, and one of the things that I've been noticing a lot in this new world that I work in is that very often nobody's ever set any standards. They don't have SOPs. Pardon me? And I was going to, and I was, I was thinking, like, wait, who's yeah. setting the standards? You know, I'm right. just thinking exactly. About right. And so the, you, you, they expect that very often, for example, a social worker is expected to come in and know how to be a social worker. They aren't going through the kind of training that a call center representative would go through. They're not learning product training or about the brands. So somebody has to be observing their performance. And if they can't do that, then they have to be able to debrief performance and really talk through. And they're honestly, the only way to do that is to start at the beginning and say, here's a format for meeting a new client. Here's uh, we hear it called a face sheet. Here's how you organize the information about a new client. Here's how you, so we're giving them tools, training on how to use the tools. The, well, and that's, the tools. that's kind of the standards. Kind of ladder up to the standard. Okay. Because ultimately in, in the social services world that I find myself in the world of guardianship, there's a tremendous amount of documentation and documentation that's, that is assessed and reviewed by the court. So the consequences of getting it wrong are, are a lot worse than you don't get to keep your job. So... Okay. Nobody wants to be the person who created inappropriate or incorrect reporting to the judge. And um, so so it really does fall on supervisors and managers to have some kind of tools that were created for them that are useful and Mm -hmm. some skill in being able to have a comfortable conversation with somebody who may even be resistant in having a conversation with you. Very different than the call center world. Yes, yes. And and, uh, interesting, the impact the end user, a lot different, you know, some yeah. of the same skills to help drive that experience, but, but the impact and ramifications much, much different. Hey, I, I don't want to take any more of your time. So we're going to be wrapping up and wondering, Rana, if you've got a, excuse me, a volunteer organization that, 
or nonprofit that you'd like to give a shout out to? Oh, you know, my favorite things to do are often related to the arts. So I would say a shout out to the Firehouse Center for the Arts in Newburyport. And what is that Firehouse.org. And thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to speak with me. I really appreciate your time and love hearing about the new the new gig. Thank you. So nice to see your face. <laughs> nice to work with you if I can help you or anyone who's listening. I'm always happy to answer questions, brainstorm. People do it for me and I'm very happy to do it for other people. So I hope that people will feel free to reach out to me. If you've learned even a kernel of an idea or was inspired by this episode, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcast. Be sure to share out the hashtag CPGCX because CPGCX really and truly rocks. You have been listening to the My Curious Colleague Podcast with Denise Benito. Thank you for your time.